The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Hour number two on this Tuesday edition of uh, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And whether you're joining us on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled devices, I do appreciate you tuning in here as we uh, are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We try to keep it live, local, opinionated, getting your sports entertainment information uh, here from the uh, from the sources that we have, that we've that I've developed over time. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. Try to put our best foot forward every single day for you. Um, so I, I laid out the DeAndre Ayton options. You know, there's there's one other thing that, you know, that essentially could happen. There's... There's ways you can get creative in the NBA, of course. I mean, there's all of the professional sports have creativity within uh, salary contract structures and things like that. The Suns could guarantee they could they could basically incentivize the final year or the final two years, I should say. But I guess maybe maybe it's only the final year. They can incentive heavily incentivize one of the years of the contract, where basically like. Make it team friendly at the beginning, where you'd pay him, uh, you know, less than what the average yearly salary is for the first two years. Then the third year matches the the yearly average, and then after that, the balloon payments come in, right? Well, what you can do is you can incentivize those final two, the the, the final year. Let's say, let's say they pay him, you know, forty one million in the final year. That's just guaranteed money, but only twenty one million of that is guaranteed because the other twenty is in incentives, like. The team had to have won an NBA championship. He needed to win a defensive player of the year. He needs to be a three-time all-star during those five years of his contract. You know, things like that can all be built into there. To, to I mean, the chances of a player making that final year of their contract anymore are, are somewhat rare um, unless the player is getting long in the tooth. Um, in this, you know, in this, in that sense, and and may never, you know, the, the players may never see that fifth year anyway. Um, they'll be renegotiating based on their performance, and will probably supersede a lot of the uh, a lot of the final year of certain contracts. So that's you know that's Suns can save a little money that way. There's creative ways to do it. Again, I think they should just sign him to the max deal. He's earned it. Look, if look Rudy Gobert and uh, both Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid are on super max deals, okay? Now, there's no question that Joel Embiid is a more impactful and a better player than DeAndre Ayton. He's also been in the league four years longer than DeAndre has, okay? He's also got a lot of injury problems. DeAndre's had his you know his his fair share, but you know Embiid has got a bad back, he's got a bad ankle. I mean, he's you know, he's he's beat up pretty good. He's had a bad back his entire his entire career. There, I'm not. I'm not disputing that he shouldn't be a supermax player. He is qualified for the supermax. You have to. You have to reach certain benchmarks in the NBA to even be qualified for a supermax deal. Let alone a team can't just be like, we're going to give you a supermax deal because we love you so much. Uh, no, <laughs> you have to meet a lot of different requirements. Much like at Arizona, where to get into the Ring of Honor at the McHale Center, you have to reach certain benchmarks and requirements to be able to even be on it. I mean, there are players that I'm sure Arizona would love to put up in, you know, in the ring of honor and they just 
can't do it because they don't meet the requirements that are that have been laid out by Lute Olson and the program many many years ago. So, you know, players that are on supermax deals have qualified for that, and and I'm not saying that that. Gobert, Gobert was a stretch. I mean, it was a surprise when the Utah Jazz signed him. What was it, last year? They gave him the Supermax deal when he finally qualified because he's a two-time, or uh, I think maybe at the time he was two-time, now he's three-time defensive player of the year uh, for the Jazz. Um, That's one of the qualifying, you know, aspects. You have to be an eight-year veteran going into your eighth year to be able to sign a Supermax deal, which Rudy Gobert hit two years ago. And, uh, you know, so all these things, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people that they signed him to a Supermax deal because centers don't usually get them. Uh, but it's becoming a little more prevalent nowadays. Jokic will get a Supermax deal once he hits his eighth uh, season in the NBA because two-time MVP now certainly qualifies him for a Supermax deal. Uh, he just needs to get to his eighth season in the NBA. The other ones are like, you know, Steph Curry, uh, you, you know, James Harden, Supermax, and you know, all those, you know, those, those plays. Like, I think there's nine of them right now in the NBA total. So to give DeAndre five years 177, I, I think is, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I think it's a bargain. I think it's I think it's a good deal. And I know that the Phoenix Suns are going to be paying over the luxury tax. Boo hoo! Uh, you know, find a find a way to 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 win a championship. I'll be honest with you. And I know that this is going to come across uh, as as maybe a little bit hollow because of the source it's coming from. Because I am I openly and admittedly do not like having Jay Crowder on this team. I do not like his game. I do not like what he brings to the table. I think he's a fake tough guy who takes a lot of ill-advised jump shots. He's streaky as hell. And, yes, it's exciting when he knocks down a three. It's exciting when anybody knocks down a three. It's just more of a surprise when Jay Crowder does it because he's a lifetime 33% shooter from beyond the arc. What the Suns need to do is get off their asses and give that young man, Cam Johnson, his contract extension. Do it now. Like, do it now. Get him in the starting rotation. I mean, I I dare to say that they're stuck with Jay Crowder for one more year in the starting lineup at his ten and a half million dollars or whatever it costs. I, I you look at Cam Johnson's number. When Cam Johnson plays thirty minutes in a game, okay. When he plays thirty minutes in a game, his numbers dwarf anything that Jay Crowder puts out there. And I'm listen. People want to talk about Jay Crowder's defense and all this. The proof is in the pudding, folks. We all saw what happened in the playoffs. He got roasted by Brandon Ingram time and time again in round one, got roasted by Doey Luka Doncic in round number two, and it, it's going to continue to get worse. He's, he's getting older. He's flat-footed. He's not nearly as quick as he once was. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say it, he's not the tough guy that people profess him to be. You watch him play, he is not that dude. He is fake tough guy, and I can't stand those players. Kevin Garnett was fake tough guy to me. I didn't like him either. He's, I mean, great player outside of that, but he was fake tough guy. Cam Johnson, when he averages, when he plays 30 minutes in a game, averages 17 and a half points a game and shoots better than 40% from beyond the arc. Please, can, can, we, just, can we just sign Cam Johnson to his extension that he's earned? Before he goes out and, you know, costs you a hell of a lot more money, just sign him to an extension now. And maybe maybe Cam Johnson doesn't sign it. Maybe he does. But at least offer him the deal. See what happens. And put him in the starting lineup. Because I guarantee you, he is going to be a hell of a lot more of a threat to score 
from all di- from all three levels than Jay Crowder is. Jay, when was the last time Jay Crowder broke somebody down off the dribble and attacked the rim? <laughs> uh, when he was with Boston, maybe six years ago. Sure, I, get him out of there. <laughs> to put Cam Johnson in the starting line. Cam Johnson's numbers scream NBA starter. You watch his game. You watch his jump shot. You watch the way he plays. You watch him defensively. Screams, NBA starter. But they're stuck with Jay Crowder right now. And I think it's a, it's a, it's going to be a pill that they're going to have to swallow. Bring in Crowder off the bench. Give Cam Johnson starter money. Put him in a starting lineup. I guarantee, guarantee things will go better for you in the postseason. Well, Monty's going to have to, to, to learn to make some more adjustments, I think, because he got outcoached in both of those series. He'll have to learn to make some better adjustments throughout, and I think he will. It's a learning experience for him. I think he will. Look, he, he lost some valuable pieces from the coaching staff in the offseason. You know, we talk about Willie Green, but he, you know, he lost other members off of that staff as well. Uh, you know, so let's, let's, let's not just put it all on him. So there, that's, those are my opinions. And, yes, Devin Booker will get a Supermax, and there are people now wondering if Devin Booker is worthy of a Supermax. Stop. Okay. Yeah, he sucked in the postseason. Or I shouldn't say in the postseason. In the final four or five games of this series, he sucked. Okay? So did Chris Paul. So did DeAndre Ayton. So did, I mean, campaign. I mean, the, the laundry list of Phoenix Suns who played and coached like crap in this series <laughs> is long enough to, to not point the finger at one specific person. Devin Booker has earned the opportunity to get that Supermax deal. There's a lot of people in this league that have a lot of respect for Devin Booker. And just because he's not the best ball handler in the world and he's not a point guard doesn't mean he's not a Supermax player. He's not going to be Steph Curry. Okay, Very few people are. Very few people are. He's one of the most elite players in the history of the game is Steph Curry. That's not Devin Booker. If you're expecting him to be Steph Curry, you're, you're, you're going to be – Sadly disappointed, vastly disappointed. Steph Curry's just different. He is unique. He is spectacular. And, yeah, sometimes he has an off night. But I'll tell you what, you play him for 82 games and put him into a postseason, that man's a killer. And I think that's what the Phoenix Suns are missing. It's not, it's not players. It's not money. It's not, it's not anything but just having that killer instinct. You know, I was talking with I was talking with a buddy who works for the team, and we were talking about the Suns wearing the black hat this year. You know, the Suns were the white hat last year, right? They were they were the good guys. They were the young kids. They were fun. They were upstart, and they took the Western Conference by storm. And yeah, they they played with a little bit of an edge because they got Chris Paul. But for the most part, they're you know just a fun up and down kind of team. Uh, you know, exciting to watch. They play great defense. They play this nagging kind of style of this shell defense, and they've got this seven-footer who steps out on point guards, and it's just like, wow, this team's interesting. And then they have the phenomenal season that they had with 64 wins and started, you know, kind of, uh, what's the term? Getting a little too big for their britches. They started, uh, you know, uh, getting a little out of character for what I believe this the makeup of this team really is. And they became 
the black hat of the NBA, not because of their success, but because they generally mishandled their success. And, you know, I, I was, I've talked with people, you know, everyone, everyone I meet <laughs> throughout the day wants to talk about the Phoenix Suns because they know what I do and they, you know, they understand that. So they want to talk sports with me. They want to talk Phoenix Suns with me. I get it. I have no problem with that. I, I'm happy to share my opinions with them. The problems for the Phoenix Suns didn't start in the postseason. The you know people were like, oh, there's uh, there's there's word coming out that there was a fight in the locker room, and all, there was no fight in the locker room. Okay, <laughs> there there was no disagreements. The finger pointing was was happening in the middle of the Dallas Mavericks series because they didn't know what to do. They were so lost, and they had completely lost their own identity that the finger pointing was naturally going to occur. The reason the Suns lost was not because there was a fight in the locker room or there was a disagreement between, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Armani Williams had to step in between it, and then DeAndre took sides of the players and said, Monty, none of that happened. These are all just conjecture, rumor, hell, people making stuff up. The problem with the Phoenix Suns this year and their chemistry and their loss of identity started when they were too immature to handle their success. The Suns are not the black hat of the NBA. They don't have – Devin Booker is not that guy. He's one of the most liked dudes in the entire league. You know, it's like I, I compare Devin Booker to Michael Vick a, a, a lot. When I, when I talk about Devin Booker and his influence in the league and stuff like that, it's a lot like Mike Vick. Mike Vick, uh, you know, uh, uh, aside from his, uh, you know, off the field and all the problems that he went through and all this stuff and how hated he is for the dog fighting ring and all that stuff. Like, we're not even going to get into that, okay? Michael Vick was like everybody's best friend. In the league, players loved Mike Vick. Not because they, I mean, well, yes, because they respected his game, but they just they just loved being around him. They, you know, he's a, he's a great guy to be around. He was... Like when when you went over to his house, I remember talking to a former player about this. They're like, "Yeah, I went to his house and he gave me a you know six hundred dollar pair of Nikes." Like here, uh, I got these, and I don't I don't wear them. I'm not going to wear them here. You can have them. He's got like closets full of like elite Nike shoes, like rare Nikes and stuff like that. Like, here you go. Here's, here's a pair of shoes for you. <laughs> you want a pair of shoes? I'll get you a pair of shoes. Like players loved Mike Vick. Devin Booker has the same effect. When when you ask when I you know when I've seen uh, articles and things like that or or watched uh, you know interviews with other players, if Devin Booker's name is brought up, the whatever player to be whether it's a Western Conference player, Eastern Conference player doesn't matter. They light up. They they talk about his game and what a great young superstar he is, and they would love to play with Devin Booker someday and all this other stuff. Like, he is a really, really well-liked and well-respected player in the league. He does not fit the black hat role. Chris Paul, likewise. Players in the NBA outside of Patrick Beverly love Chris Paul. It's been that way since he got into the league. He's been, uh, you know, kind of a player darling ever since he got into the league out of Wake Forest and has played with a lot of people, and he's made a few enemies here and there. You know, getting Patrick Beverly traded away from Houston is probably one of the reasons why Patrick Beverly doesn't like him. And he's made a few enemies here and there, but he's had to make some tough decisions during his time, but I think he's earned it. 
and he's also kind of a, a player darling for the most part. Most guys want to see Chris Paul succeed. So wearing the black hat is not, is not his proper role, even though I think that he is a guy that can adapt into that type of role, if, if need be, on that kind of a team. If he were playing for a team full of black hats, Chris Paul would, would, would you know, amoeba himself into that kind of role and be, be able to fit into that. DeAndre Ayton is one of the most likable people on planet Earth. I spent an entire year with him. On the road, off the road. I mean, he is one of the nicest, funniest, most jovial people to be around. And on the court, you know, unfortunately, he does he looks like you know, he he looks like a, a you know, a giant hulk out there. But he doesn't play like it. He he plays a lot like his personality depicts him to be. He is not a black hat. He is not a guy that's going to go headhunting. He's not a guy that's going to get in your face and cause you to, to you know, get all, you know, ruffle your feathers and all this. He's not that guy. Monty Williams is not that coach. Monty Williams is a nice guy. Everybody loves Monty. Everybody wants to see him win. So this whole, like, taking on of this role of, like, we're the badasses, and we're coming for you, and we're gonna, we're on the revenge tour, and we're all this, and we're all that, and we got the best record. We're gonna stomp you, you know, like it doesn't fit. You got to stay in your lane sometimes to be able to progress. Like we, we I mean, just to make an analogy, you, you see it on the roadways. These aggressive drivers are constantly switching lanes, switching lanes, switching lanes, switching lanes. What happens to that person? You see them right next to you at the stoplight when you just stayed the course, stayed in your lane because you know. What's, you know what's ahead. There's a stoplight ahead. You don't need to be all volatile and bouncing around and cutting people off and, you know, speeding up, slamming on your brakes and fading back, coming back around. I mean, like, you end up in the same place. It's how you get there is the difference. Do you expend all of your energy getting there trying to be something or trying to be some badass or whatever when you could have just stayed in your lane like you did last year, get to the NBA Finals and find ways to improve and just dig a little deeper to try to get yourself that coveted championship. So the Suns' problem started long before the postseason even began. It started when they were unable to continue to be themselves. They lost their identity. And, they, you know, when I said the Suns have lost their identity, I said it after game, what was it, game four of round one against the Pelicans. I'm like, eh, Suns have lost their identity. I don't know. I don't, not exactly sure how it happened or why it happened, but now I know. After seeing two series of it, I'm like, these teams wanted to go out there and beat the Suns because they felt the Suns were a bunch of jackasses. And the, the Suns, when faced with that type of vitriol and faced with a team was like, we're coming to get you, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't fight back. And in Game 7, all they did was hunt for fouls in the first quarter. Hunt for fouls and shoot three. They're one of ten to start the game from the field. They were hunting for fouls. They were doing things completely out of their character because they had gone to a point of desperation because they didn't know how to fight back because that's not in their identity. So, again, it's the individual. It's the coaches. It's, it's everybody. Everybody in that, in that organization needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror and a deep, introspective look into themselves this offseason to decide who they want to be and where they want to go. And Robert Sarver needs to decide if he wants to pay that $71 million luxury tax. <laughs> Hopefully he does. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk uh, some local stuff, some 
uh, some high schools, Tucson high schools, crowned some champions last night down in Tucson. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, an interesting evening and a night under the lights in Tucson as the 4A baseball championships and the 4A softball championships were concluded last night. The softball championship was conducted at Hillenbrand Stadium there on campus, of course, and it was South Point versus CDO. South Point uh, being the, the heavy favorite, they were the three-time defending champs. They were the number one seed. They were the number one team in the 4A all year long. They lost two games all year. Uh, CDO only lost three games all year. They were uh, a, a really good squad uh, as well in softball this year. But it was the three-time champs, South Point, once again, emerging victorious, winning now their fourth consecutive 4A championship. They had a, a seven-run second inning to beat Canyon Del Oro by a final score of 10-7. to CDO uh, was down big in that game and then made a, a incredible run uh, there at the end to make the game close. Uh, got within a couple of runs going into the uh, the seventh inning, but uh, it wasn't just it just wasn't enough. Gave up too many in the one inning. And uh, congratulations, first of all, congratulations to both for representing the city of Tucson, South Point, and CDO in the 4A softball championship game. And congratulations to South Point Catholic for their fourth consecutive softball championship. And on the boys' side in baseball. The same two schools, CDO and South Point, locked horns for the uh, baseball championship. Now, previously, now in, 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 the, in the softball series, uh, South Point ended up winning that series against CDO 3 nothing. They had beaten uh, CDO two, tw- two times already earlier in the regular season and, of course, beat them for the championship. In baseball, though, was a very different story. Those two schools split the season series 1-1 against one another. So this was the rubber match to take the series and the championship, and it was CDO taking their ninth title, not ninth consecutive, but the ninth title in school history. Uh, last night, that was, uh, that was at High Corbett, um, and that was an exciting game. 7-6 finish as they rally back from 3 nothing. Uh, the uh, the Lancers uh, opened up a three nothing early lead. Of course, they have a, a, an outstanding player uh, in uh, in Mason White, who is going to be playing uh, at the next level and the next level and beyond. He's he's a, a very very good baseball player, uh, and so the uh, uh, so the uh, the Dorados able to uh, fight back and you know kind of claw and fight their way back through that one. And it was a tough game. Look, it was you know I. I any time you get into this late in the season in the game of baseball, it's all going to be about arms and kind of who's just got just enough to deliver a, you know, a strike or a big pitch when you need one. And really what it was last night, the way the game ended was an interesting ending to the game as there was a pitch in the dirt, you know, kind of into the, into the, uh, the left-handed batter's box that the, the catcher had blocked and then recognized that a South Point player was going to try to advance from second to third. Uh, the ball didn't get quite away, you know, far enough away from the catcher to be able to advance unless you've got 
lightning speed, uh, and he didn't. He, uh, he was able to, uh, uh, the CDO catcher, able to fire a strike down to third base where the third baseman awaited the slide of the running uh, South Point Catholic player and was able to record the final out of the game, and CDO wins 7-6, to six, again, winning their ninth 4A state title. So congratulations. First of all, congratulations once again to both programs representing the city of Tucson and the state of Arizona extremely well. They were the one and the three seeds, I believe, were they? Oh, no, they were sorry. They were the three and the four seed, right, the the, the, the three and the four seed in the uh, in the tournament. So congratulations to them for representing, and, of course, congratulations to CDO for their ninth baseball championship. Interesting. I mean, you know, it's, it's where the, the two schools, those two schools, I think, you know, if, if you look athletically, you know, they're in, you know, in the city, they are the two premier athletic programs, I think, certainly in 4A. Uh, but it's, just, it's interesting to see how often those two programs face one another in the different sports in big games, whether it be, you know, football, basketball, volleyball, um, and then now, of course, baseball and softball. Always interesting to see how those two teams end up in the same spaces competing for the same trophies year in and year out. So congratulations to both those programs, representing well, and uh, congratulations to the champs, and uh, enjoy. It's, uh, it's, look, it's, I never got to win a championship at any level that I played. I was on some pretty, pretty darn good uh, football teams back in the day, and uh, unfortunately there was another team in the city that was full of uh, what we didn't know then, but we certainly know now to be future NFL talent and uh, they were a juggernaut, and we weren't able to get past them any of the years that we got into the playoffs. So um, it was uh, it was an elusive uh, thing for me uh, over my time in playing, and then obviously beyond beyond high school, it was uh, it was difficult because things just get way more difficult. Then you've got more teams, you've got better players, you've got players that have been you know in you know at that level for a longer amount of time than you have at the high school level and such. So it becomes much, much more difficult to win championships uh, once you get beyond the high school level. So relish it, young men and young women, and uh, enjoy that championship. You have earned it. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some NFL as we do every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show, and we'll also preview round two of the NHL playoffs. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. We'll be talking some NFL. That's our promise. my promise to you every single day here is to talk NFL with you here on ESPN Tucson. There's not a... Not a whole lot going on, so trying to come up with some interesting topics that we can discuss. Now, I will say this. The news came out yesterday that Deshaun Watson was going to be in the Bahamas for, uh, for now that the um, – now that his like the depositions in court and everything for the for the uh, the civil cases against him have wrapped up, they wrapped up on Friday, I believe. So he decided to go to the Bahamas. Well, he invited the rest of the offense to come with him, like a lot of the offensive players, essentially, to come with him to the Bahamas to basically like, hey, get to know your new quarterback kind of thing. And that wasn't the part of the story that I took from that. The part of the story that I took from that is when is the NFL going to make their decision on what to do with his punishment? Because 
I mean, I mean, the clock is ticking, and the closer we get to June 1st, and then July, uh, like July 17th, I think, is the uh, the non-voluntary workouts and stuff. Like once we get into that realm, the Cleveland Browns and the Deshaun and Deshaun Watson, they need to know what's going to be happening with their 2022 season. The Cleveland Browns deserve to know, like, hey, are, are we going to have this this quarterback we just promised 220 million dollars to? And Deshaun Watson needs to know, like, am I am I playing this year? You know what you know what's going on? Do I show up? Like what? What am I supposed to do? And you know, for the time being, it's you know, it's I guess status quo. You would just kind of go with what you know and go along, go you know, about your business as you normally would in this situation. But there's a big question mark right now, and I don't, I don't, I, the NFL certainly has the ability. I mean, under their bylaws, to be able to suspend him when he doesn't have any any you know confirmed convictions or char- you know co- you know convicted charges against him the NFL has done it time and time and time again and they'll continue to do it and they catch a lot of flack for it but that's you know that's what you get when you work with uh you know a private company and things like that so you you are able to you know do those kinds of things under the collective bargaining agreement agreed upon by the players association yada 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 i just the NFL's got to do something soon and I, it's not just because, like, hey, we need something to to report about, something to talk about, and and not that I cu- I couldn't care less about the Cleveland Browns knowing whether or not they're going to have their two hundred and thirty million dollar quarterback uh, this year because, quite frankly, it was foolish of them to guarantee him two hundred and thirty million dollars, knowing full well that he may not even be available to you this season. Which <laughs> it's so Cleveland Browns of them, but they do deserve to know, like any team would deserve to know what's going to happen with their player that they've just signed. So it'll be interesting to see if the NFL makes a decision anytime soon, if they, you know, if they're treading lightly, I'm, I'm sure that they're, you know, they're gathering information and all this. Um, but it is a, uh, it, it is a tenuous situation right now with, uh, with what's happening between Deshaun Watson and the NFL. And again, he, he's invited his, uh, he's invited his, you know, offense to come out and essentially, Hey, come to the Bahamas. Let's, uh, let's, let's get together. Let's meet. Uh, let's have some fun and get to know your new quarterback, which is the right thing to do. And it shows why, you know, one of the reasons why Deshaun Watson is a successful player in this league and why he's a desirable player in this league, because he is that guy. He is a true leader in, you know, in essentially every, you know, every sense of the word. Uh, you know, he's also a really, really, really good football player. So that helps as, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see you know what what comes about that. But again, the the, the clock is ticking on the NFL, uh, and I'm I'm hoping we can get some kind of a decision by June 1st, which is just a couple of weeks away. Um, I won't spend too much time talking about the the off season. I think we're we're pretty pretty well versed on which teams won and lost the off season. Um, I'm gonna have I'll, I think I'm gonna put out a power ranking here in a little bit. Probably in the next week or so of, uh, you know, as we get ready for the workouts, the workout portion of this of the of the off season, and just kind of give my assessment of who I think the top ten teams are. I don't think it's going to be any surprise, to be honest with you. I think my top ten is going to be really close to the same top ten that everybody has. There are a few teams 
that are volatile in this situation where movement could be great or it could be in either either direction where it could be up or down the ladder. Teams like the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, specifically teams in the AFC West, um, the Chargers, uh, the Eagles are another one of those teams. And the aforementioned Cleveland Browns, depending on what happens with the Deshaun Watson situation. Those are, those are all teams that could find themselves – you know, near a top 10 ranking in, you know, essentially what I believe are the best 10 teams in the league. I still believe that the best two, to me, the best two teams in the league right now are going to be the two teams who kick off the season on that Thursday night game, and that's the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. I think those are the two best teams as constructed right now heading into this offseason and getting ready for the 2022 season. That's just uh, I, I, but I don't think I'm like I, I'm. I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not like people aren't going to be shocked by that information. Like, oh, Jeff thinks that the Rams and the Bills are the two best teams in the NFL. In related news, water is wet, the sun is bright. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, another team that has potential for you know for bust this year would be the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, we've seen time and time again where teams that lose the Super Bowl tend to have somewhat less than admirable seasons the following year. It's happened lots and lots of times. In fact, a lot of times it's led to a situation where they didn't even make the playoffs the following year. I still think that they are a playoff team. I do know that the that the AFC North is going to be improved this year, mainly because the Baltimore Ravens, there's no way they could be less healthy or even equally as, as unhealthy as they were this last season. So I expect them to improve just because the health factor can't be any worse for them. It literally couldn't be. I, I mean, I guess it could. I shouldn't say literally. But, damn. <laughs> so they're going to be improved just based on that alone. And, like I've mentioned before, with the way that they're, you know, way that they're constructing their offense, I think they're going to go back to the way that they ran uh, their offense three seasons ago, which led the NFL in total offense. I think they're going to go back to that model. Instead of trying to throw the football down the field, they're going to play – grind it out, we're going to put you in a phone booth, and we're going to try to open you up and gash you with our quarterback. So I think they're going to go back to that. The Cleveland Browns could be improved this year if Deshaun Watson can play. Uh, Obviously, he is a huge upgrade over Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position, even though he didn't play at all last season. Uh, He's a huge upgrade over Baker Mayfield. So therefore, the Browns will be an improved team. That defense continues to be great. The Pittsburgh Steelers, say what you will about their quarterback situation, I still think they're in a better position at the quarterback position now than they were last year with dead arm Ben as the quarterback who was, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger threw a pass last year that I didn't think I would ever see in the NFL. And it was, it was that bad of a pass. Like you don't see players make that bad of a throw in the NFL. And Ben Roethlisberger did it last year. Like he just like he, he had to go. He was his arm was completely dead, and he just he was out there just on grit and guts alone, and that's all he had left. I th- personally think that Mitchell Trubisky is going to do just fine in the quarterback role there, and if he doesn't, they'll decide that Kenny Pickett is the guy, and I think he'll do probably just fine as well. So Pittsburgh is going to be improved at the quarterback position, which makes things more difficult for the Cincinnati Bengals this year, who I still think are probably the class of that of that division. I don't believe that last year was a, a flash in the pan, but with the 
target on their back now as the AFC champions, and with the improvement of the AFC North, they could find themselves on the outside looking in by the time it's all said and done. So there's a, a lot of potential for movement within those teams. Like, basically, like, teams, if, if, I'm, if I'm kind of just going off the hip here, shooting from the hip, if I'm looking at my rankings of the top teams, teams from 5 to 16, let's say, I'll put the cutoff at 16. Teams from 5 to 16, there is so many question marks and so much room for movement amongst those dozen teams there that I don't know how the hell it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up. And assuredly, because it happens every year in the NFL, some team that I've got outside my top 16 teams or whatever, some team that I'm like, mm, I'm not really threatened by that team, is going to jump up and win 10 or 11 games this year. It's just the way it goes. So uh, still a lot of time to think about these kinds of things and put some stuff together. And, again, you'll still have off-season people doing stuff in the off-season that's, you know, stupid and unsavory and finding themselves in some trouble. I think we all can agree, though, that we know who the really good teams are and who the really bad teams are, and then everything else in between is just going to be a crapshoot. So let's uh, let's continue to uh, to try to focus on that, and we'll try to narrow that down for you. And I think I'll, I'll put out a power ranking here pretty soon, just a little preseason power ranking. It's not going to mean a whole lot, but I think it's fun to, to kind of play with those things. And then you look back. Like, I was looking back at some notes. Uh, you know, you know like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so old school. I really am. Like, I should have, like, a digital program that I put stuff in for, like, topics and, you know, statistics and the way that I, you know, way that I prepare for a show. But, no, I have a legal pad in front of me, and it's I've got just thousands of papers here in folders that are, like, you know, NFL and NBA folders and all this other stuff. I was going through some old stuff from literally just from, like, a year ago when we, uh, when we restarted up the show, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Was I way off on that? <laughs> Let's just put that away. We won't. Uh, we won't exhume that and uh, reveal just how poorly I was. Although y'all do keep receipts, I swear to God. Sports fans, <laughs> I, I mean, I love you. I, I, I do. I do love sports fans and I, uh, Wildcat fans specifically. I love you to death. Sometimes your 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 selection of memory is uh is very interesting <laughs> sports fans in general have a very interesting selection of memory uh they will remember things that somebody said negatively about their favorite player or their favorite team for decades but they won't remember uh like oh by the way did you remember this about this and they no, no i don't remember that at all <laughs> it's like some kind of big news but uh yeah Fans will fans will let you know when you've goofed. I'll tell you that much, and you guys have, and I appreciate that. Look, hey, listen, don't worry about pointing out to me. I already know. Okay, <laughs> I get it, and uh, plenty of you have uh, decided to uh, to take that avenue, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. And those of you who have realize that I don't have, I don't take issue with that based on how I've responded to your messages. It's it's all good. Like, in fact, for some of you, it's opened up some even greater discussion. And we've had a good time discussing some of those things. So, damn, I welcome it, man. Like, get yourself involved. If you're a passionate sports fan, the last thing you want to do is just sit in a corner and be quiet. Like, explore the space, man. Get out. Get out of the get out of the corner. Get out of your uh, get out of your hole. Come out of there and and let's let's discuss some things. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about some stuff. Unless you're Justin Spears, who has now decided to. Uh, 
like start what was he what was he like slamming Suns fans based on what happened in the Lakers series last year or something like that? Did I see that? Did I did I see that correctly? Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm sorry if that wasn't the case, Justin. Justin's a, a you know, he's he's a diehard Laker fan and those people are intolerable. And uh so sometimes Justin can be a little bit uh yeah. A little bit Lakerish. <laughs> and we know what that's like. Lakerish. I think I just made a new word. It's like licorice. Some people don't like licorice, and that's okay. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. I'm kidding, Justin. Justin always gets upset when I drag his name. So I'm not dragging Justin. I'm just, I just like to, I like to push Justin's buttons because he's such a sweetheart. And, uh, you know, just like, like DeAndre Ayton, Justin Spears will never wear the black hat. And if he ever tries to, he will be so out of character that it will make him uncomfortable. And it will, it will seem odd. It will be awkward. <laughs> I'll wear the black hat, Justin. It's all good, man. I'll take care of that. I'll be the, the villain in the shootout. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. Speaking of shootouts, NHL playoffs round two going to be starting up tonight. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, one of the things that's great about FanDuel Sportsbook is that you can mix and match how you build your parlays. You can do same-game parlays, which are great, huge payouts on same-game parlays and a lot of fun picking player props. But what you can do on FanDuel is play a same-game parlay plus, and you can only find them on FanDuel Sportsbook, where you can combine NBA playoff player props with NHL player props with MLB player props and make even bigger scores out there for bigger payouts. So pick and choose which sports you love to bet, which teams you love to bet, and any kind of player props you love. Mix and match them all together. Have some fun out there and cash that winning ticket. And when you do cash that winning ticket, you'll get paid out lightning fast. They are known across the, uh, across the, betting, uh, across the betting landscape for their fast payouts over at FanDuel. And if you don't want to build your own same-game parlay, they offer same-game parlay sections like popular sections where other bettors are engaging in certain uh, types of uh, player props and, and, and SGPs, as well as the experts that offer their options on some SGPs as well. So whether you're building your own or following the guidance of someone else, have some fun with it. Get on the FanDuel Sportsbook today, enjoy a same-game parlay plus, and uh, make every moment just that much more. Download FanDuel Sportsbook and uh, use my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, so that you can also get your first risk-free bet up to $1,000. 21 and over in President Arizona. First one online mirror running major only. Refund is issued to non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportswork.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. <sighs> I spent too much time talking and not enough time doing business, and now we're left with this. We have a doubleheader on our airwaves today. D-backs at Dodgers. It's a doubleheader, a day-night doubleheader. The coverage starts here on ESPN Tucson at 11.30, D-backs at Dodgers, and then we'll pick up game number two in progress following Spears and Ali today uh, at around 6.30 or so. We'll pick that up. NHL playoffs round two tonight. Tampa at Florida should be a great series. St. Louis at Colorado, probably a one-sided series. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping me on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today. And I look forward to talking with you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6 p.m. 
I'll see you guys again for a hump day edition of the Jeff Dean Show tomorrow right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.